When I was younger, I believed everything that I read. Didn't matter if I read it in a book, didn't matter if I uh, read it in a magazine or a newspaper. Uh, even when I heard it on TV, uh, I believed everything that I heard because somehow it just seemed like they were all experts and they knew more than me and I should believe everything that they said. Later in my life, I began to notice after interacting with press people and writers uh, that even when they told my story, uh, I could see the gaps in it. I could see the bias. And then slowly I really started to understand that anything that is, any content that is delivered publicly is usually riddled with somebody's viewpoints. Even the research can't always be trusted because who knows if Coca-Cola paid for the research on sugary drinks and whether they're good or bad for people, which of course that happened. Uh, I guess what I would make the point is, I think a lot of us, when we grow up, we believe everybody who's older than us. We believe people that have titles like doctors and lawyers, politicians, and we certainly believe what we read. That is becoming a huge problem today, as even people who are younger are starting to understand that you can't believe everything that you read, everything that you hear, everything that people tell you. At the same time, you can't become completely jaded, because there are things that are truthful out there, and how are we going to learn if we can't believe anything? So, wouldn't it be great if we had a truth score, if we had a, a 1 to 100 score that was attached to all digital content. And that one to a hundred score told us that if something was below a 50, it might be suspect. If it was above 50, we might at least be able to pay some attention to it. If it was above an 80, we probably could have a lot of faith in it. Wouldn't it be nice? So this is the last in the series of the Quantified World podcast that I'm doing. This one is all about digital content and truth scores. Now, this is not something that I've completely made up. I've had conversations with different people that uh, have talked about um, the algorithms uh, that could be built. You know, certainly the U.S. government is interested in what they could do to make sure that the content that's on the internet that people are consuming has uh, more truth to it. So I, I think we got to back up and frame the problem so that we can go forward and talk about you know what digital tools, what AI might be able to do to help us with some type of quantifying of truth when it comes to digital content. Now, unintentional misinformation, like unintentional misinformation, people spreading something that they've read that they believe for whatever reason, and it turns out it's not true, and they weren't intentionally trying to spread something that was a lie. It was unintentional because they just didn't know any better, or maybe worse. Then there's the spread of intentional lies. And both of these, by the way, have been with us as long as humans could talk. Uh, propaganda, positioning, over-aggressive marketing, these have become art forms in the past 100 years. All the internet did was provide a globally efficient way to allow 4 billion content providers a voice to either create content, comment on other people's content, or vote content up and down by liking it. And all of this, you know, based on our perceptions of what is true and what is not true. And I don't need to tell you that this has become a huge problem over the last few years, that we have organizations and countries purposely trying to put misinformation on the internet to do things like sway election. Or we have those, again, unintentionally misinformed people. They believe something without really any facts behind it, and so they go ahead and just post it as if it were true. If somebody reads the same thing seven times, they start to believe it is true, even though there aren't any facts behind it. It's, it's a problem, and it's becoming a divisive uh, tool, in the United States at least, where people who believe one thing get very married to that position. People who believe a 
different thing, think everybody else is wrong, and it creates a ton of divisiveness. This is part of the reason why I'm interested in the concept of a truth score, is that maybe that would have the potential to lower some of the divisiveness that we seem to be growing into in this country now. Big tech, as we've talked about before, figured out how to use algorithms to push content to each of us specifically, and they could have cared less what that content is or the veracity of it. They get paid for the views and our time spent consuming the content, so for whatever gets attention, that gets pushed to us true or not true. But the result being that each of us is creating an echo chamber of content that reinforces our views of the world because we certainly wouldn't want to look at anything uh, that is a dissenting opinion in many cases. That echo chamber I've spoken about before, how important it is for us not to fall into that echo chamber. Just because the algorithms say, oh, well, this person likes this kind of content, so we'll just push more and more and more of that content to us. And again, once we read something four, five, six times, it starts to have more of a ring of truth, even though it may have nothing to do with the truth at all. And if that's all not bad enough, the human race has a preference for the negative content, and that's blatantly shown by the Facebook whistleblower who told Congress that people are six times more likely to read something negative as positive. And we think about that as kind of the, uh, the car crash concept, that people have to slow down and they're rubbernecking, you know, having to look at the car crash, you know, or we look at the fact that maybe we were wired after thousands and thousands of years of uh, survival to be able to make sure we looked at the negative and were careful about how to deal with that as opposed to focusing on the positive. So think about that mixture that we have right now. Uh, people who... Um, are all about focusing on the negative of the world. And then we have groups of people or organizations or countries pushing misinformation to us. And obviously the online world has become a stew of what is true and what is not true with a lot of human beings that seem to get more attached to the things that are not true than what is true. So allow me to sum this up for all of us. I mean, we now have a majority of the United States who spend hours a day consuming content from their devices without much of a sense of the accuracy and, and what they are ready in many cases, or reading in many cases, uh, they have no idea even who wrote the content or why. There is nothing easy or simple that tells us that the content in front of us is true or reliable. We simply either look at somebody that we know or somebody that is semi-famous, and then we impute some type of reliability to this information. And sadly, in some cases, people are reading things from, from folks who have no qualification whatsoever to be writing about the topic they're writing about, but other people will believe that they are a reliable source. I've had this in my life many times lately, uh, where people have come to me and stated something to me as if it is a fact. And I'll say, well, where did you get that? Oh, I, re I read it online. Who did you read it from? Well, I read it from this person, and I'll go look at the, the bio on that person, and there's absolutely zero that would lead me to believe that anybody should follow them. But the fact that they posted something online somehow gives them some authority that some people believe. Ah, it's not good, and I know a lot of you right now are, are nodding your heads. You know what I'm talking about. At least I hope you do. But all is not lost, right? We will one day soon have algorithms that I believe will help us get a little bit more comfortable with the provenance of our news and content. We will have that content trust score. And I know right now you're probably already starting, like, like 
happens a lot when I do this podcast. You might be going, wait, I see all kinds of problems with that. Who gets to do the trust score? Who gets to decide what is true and not true? Hey, what if something's just an opinion? I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of questions that you can ask, and I'll try to address some of these as we go along. But obviously, I'm not for humans doing the trust score. I'm much more interested in the AIs and the algorithms that will be able to check on the providence, the originality, who is liking topics, uh, and be able to give it a, a some type of mathematical score that although it won't be perfect, it's better than having the zero that we have today. So whenever I mention this concept in polite company, people immediately say there's no such way that a score could exist. I mean, who could we possibly trust to provide an accurate quantification of the veracity of content? I don't mean just what kind of algorithm can we trust. Who can we trust that would even develop the algorithm? And how do we know that they're not biased? At the at the sheer scale of the new content that's coming out and the, and the volume being passed around, how could we possibly vet it all? Now, the answer to that is AIs and algorithms developed by big tech could help us solve this problem. Uh, but right now, they probably don't care much about solving the problem. Uh, but I think that they might come under a lot of pressure soon to actually be have to delve into being able to prove that the content that they allow to be passed around has some truth in it. We've been dealing with this with big tech companies, but in a much more informal way, where Congress right, or sometimes the market will get annoyed if content is passed around that is not true. And then we'll see big tech use, in a lot of cases, human editors or some combination of AI and human editors to, uh, you know, put a warning on the content saying, hey, this content is uh, likely not true or has not proven to be true. Uh, so we at least have started, we've taken the, the first step, dipped the first toe in the water. So AIs have the ability to do surveillance on huge amounts of content. I mean, that we know. I mean, even though there, there is vast amounts of content coming every day onto the internet and passed around, we do know that technology has the power to be able to do surveillance on huge amounts. Uh, technology could look back and see, well, who first generated this content? Where was it first generated? Who first posted it? And then technology could analyze who's liking it, who's sharing it, who's upvoting this content, and, and looking to see, well, how much can we trust the people that are liking it? And how much can we trust whoever it was that posted it. They could even verify, in some cases, some of the corroborating documents in, in, if you look at, let's say, studies that are cited. So it is possible to build AIs that could watch over content and at least could start grabbing some factors such as these I've mentioned and come up with some type of score. And again, I don't expect it to be perfect ever, certainly not in the early days. But even if, right, even if it would just get us somewhere close, that would be helpful. Like I said, big tech is already under pressure to clean up their platforms from purposeful lies. I mean, naive people get hoodwinked into believing some of the craziest theories. And countries are using propaganda and manipulation right, to cause lots of problems for Americans. I mean, the big tech companies are already using these AIs, again, in some cases. And so that is the alternative to having thousands and thousands of employees that are doing this work work by hand. And again, now we've added the human factor back into, do we know if something's true or something is not true? So again, I see a one to a hundred score that will likely result in people drawing a kind of, let's just say, belief line. Like if if the truth score is above a 60, let's say, because that might be uh, true, then I think 
people will look at it and say, well, this could be true. But if the truth score is below a 40, I think people just ignore it, at least the vast majority of people. And I think that's kind of the ultimate outcome of something like a 1 to 100 truth score, is that for each of us, we would draw some kind of line. Uh, we only have so much time in the day, so much time to invest in actually reading and consuming content. So we're going to have to draw some lines as far as, well, you know, what, what deserves our attention and what does not deserve our attention. Now, you might be stepping back and thinking, all right, well, can an algorithm like this, you know, really be built? And I would say, well, if we score the source, like if we know the first time that this was posted, and we ought to be able to see that, we ought to be able to track back and see when something was posted for the first time. And, you know, if we have some ability to do a calculation of the people or the bots that are liking something, in other words, is it real people that are liking something or is it just, you know, 98% bots that are liking or upvoting something. I mean, if we could verify some of the facts that, that is in the content, if we can separate opinion from facts that are being stated, you know, we at least have a beginning of an algorithm that could kind of parse the content and be able to offer some type of opinion. Again, the opinion of the algorithm as far as the truth score being the opinion. I think also we can teach an algorithm how to separate something that is a stated fact, something that is a story, something that is just information or something that is opinion. And that will be a critical thing for the AI to be able to separate because if somebody is just offering an opinion without a bunch of facts, you know, backing it up, you know, or a story that they say is true, you know, then we shouldn't be scoring opinions. I mean, those are like editorials. Uh, we should let those things go. But when somebody is telling a story and they're stating that these things happened, or again, if they are, you know, referencing a, a study or they're stating something as a fact, especially Especially if it's unattributed, you know, then I do think that we can get in there with the algorithm and, and score something that is relatively close to what we need to have. Now, over time, we've got machine and deep learning working for us. And so I think uh, as we can apply more and more, you know, machine or deep learning to content in general, uh, we're going to be able to improve the algorithmic score. And, and does this have to be perfect for us to start? You know, no, it doesn't. Because I believe once a score has been assigned, to content, we at least have a number that people can debate if they think it's wrong. And I think that's a, a good thing. You know, let's just say that somebody has posted something and it is true and it only gets a 20 score for whatever the reason is. If there are ways that this can be debated, let's say, online with the algorithm, and then the algorithm might say, okay, you're right, it warrants being a 40. Okay, it warrants being a 60. You know, I'm not, I'm not believing that this really is that much different probably than Wikipedia. And how do we decide that something is true or not true on Wikipedia. And and the facts, the fact that it can be challenged is not a bad thing. But you can't even challenge the veracity of content until you at least put a stake in the ground with a score that people have, can go about challenging. So interestingly, if you're a person who leans towards conspiracy theories, you will believe that this is a scheme to hide the truth. If you believe in the general goodness of governance and big technology and people in general, maybe, then you will accept the likelihood that a content truth score could be useful, right? It could be possible. But a conspiracy theorist is probably never going to believe it because they are also the people that least want to be able to verify the facts that they believe uh, so ruggedly in at times. So is this good for the world? Right? Uh, ultimately, if we do a truth score, is it good for the world, especially 
if the algorithms are built by big tech, maybe they have some bias in them. Or is it the government that is, you know, starting to legislate that they want truth scores put on, you know, at least stated facts, right, or stories stated as the truth? Will they want this? Because at some point, we have so much of a problem with citizens that are being misled, right, that the government feels like they, they need to put this in place. Will that truth score just get hidden behind polluted algorithms. And so we design something that we can't even get within 20, 25% of anything correct as far as it being the truth or not the truth. I think it is good for the world. I see a positive future for a truth score. I see a world where some type of reading, liking, sharing bar could be set by consumers, which then will force the content providers to work harder to meet the minimum levels of, uh, of again, truth and veracity. In other words, if you have a one to 100 score and people just refuse to read or like anything that is below a 30, I think that's a good thing. I think that gives us a way to be able to help each other, right, in a lot of cases to understand, look, this isn't worth it. Don't read it. Oh, will there always be people who, uh, you know, who are looking at the other side of this and say, nope, you know, there's all kinds of things down there. You know, they have a 20 score or 15 score. They're true. I'm going to prove it. You know, it's a big scheme against humanity. Yes, there will. And, and I know that there can be concerns about the inaccuracies, right, or the bias of the algorithms that generate the trust score. And again, I, I, I just said to you, I am sure that in the early days, it's not going to be, you know, really, really accurate. But you you got to put a stake in the ground somewhere and get started. We see that with technology all the time, right? That when it first comes out, uh, there's a lot of marketing hype and it's nowhere near as good as all the marketing hype says. You know, three, four years later, it starts to get uh, to be something that's more usable, right? Seven, eight years after the announcement of a technology, right? They've gotten a lot of the bugs worked out of it. And I think we accept that when it comes to software applications. We accept that, that we know that in the early days they're not that good. And so I, I would hope that we would at least consider right, that that when a trust score comes out, it isn't going to be perfect. It's going to take years to be able to work out the algorithms to get it where it's correct enough. But again, if we can at least put a stake in the ground, it allows us to upscore and downscore content by some type of debate across, uh, you know, the, the participants, the users online. So will there be multiple trust score algorithms? Yeah, I hope so, right? The competition would be good. I mean, if Apple has a trust score and Google has a trust score and MSN has a trust score, it, if people have different trust scores, eventually that gives us some other way to be able to look and see, well, whose trust score do we trust the most? I'm going to tend to read news on or read information on that site because I trust the trust score at a higher level. So I hope that there's some real competition when it comes to that kind of thing. I mean, I do believe that, that a trust score will help separate in the world opinion from stated fact. And that's not a bad thing at all. If it doesn't have a score uh, and it's marked opinion, okay, great. I know it's an opinion then. I don't assume it's a fact. It's just what somebody believes. Hey, this whole podcast is an opinion. I'm not really stating a lot of facts, right? I'm just trying to share a, a, an opinion or a view of what things might look like in the future. All right, opinions are very different for people than stated facts. I, I don't mind at all people sharing their opinions about things. Where I get bothered is when people are stating stories or retelling stories that and stating them as fact when they have no idea if these things are a fact or where these stories even came from. Yeah, my brother 
brother-in-law Joe told me that, right? And then they state something that is not true, right? but stated to enough people in enough ways, you know, people start believing it's a fact. And obviously it's a big problem that we have today. So all, all of these mistruths and then truths are on a continuum, right? It's not as black and white as it's just true or it's just false. I think if we're going to be honest, you know, it's a continuum where there could be things that are partly true, partly untrue, somewhat true, somewhat false, right? There's a continuum. And at least if we have a score, that would help us to the visibility into that continuum. And now when we swim in the murky pond of online posts, we at least have something that is a guide. Look, uh, you know, we built a worldwide community and conversation with the internet. Uh, it's still young. And in fact, it's still acting out like kind of an early teen, right? We've got to help the internet mature. And especially when it comes to this content situation. And a truth score is a step in the right direction. And I'm very certain that we will have something like this at some point. Be able to help us separate fact from fiction when it comes to the you know, millions of posts that get made every single day. All right, that's it for this series, right? We've talked about the quantified world from a few different angles. I mean, we've talked about how we get measured personally, talked about being measured at work, right? Now we've talked about content being measured. And what I hope that you gained if you've listened to all these podcasts is just the ability to think about technology and data, having the ability to quantify things in the world that have not been quantified before. And without them being quantified, either we had zero information because there was no quantification of, of a thing, or we had to use our instincts and experience to try to make a decision because we had no real data, no real analytics on something. Just like I said, right now with all of the content that's online, we have to use our own onboard discretion to try to figure out if something's true or not true because we have no help right now from algorithms trying to at least point us in a direction. I do believe that quantifying things in the world for the most part is good. I have I believe that there are some pieces of quantification that cause problems. They can quantify things unfairly. There could be bias in the quantification. But on the whole, I believe it's better to measure, to have things be quantified than to have zero. And to be able to live in a world where we have to make everything up, again, with just kind of our onboard spidey sense about, you know, what a situation of anything is. I like being quantified. But if I go back to one of the first things I talked about was grades in school. And I think that's a really interesting place to look at is quantification good or not good. You know, the quantification of grades in school uh, is a way to give children an incentive, you know, to try to uh, reach a higher level, right? Reach a B or reach an A because now we've at least put a bar out there and said, hey, here's what good is. We want you to reach this level. But, you know, speaking as somebody uh, that was not a, a straight A student, I can also tell you that the scoring really doesn't always denote how much people are learning and that there are some negative sides of scoring and what you're telling somebody when you tell them that they are a C plus student. So I think if we look at quantification just in life in general, we have to be careful of that. There are good things about it and then there are negative things about it, which is so much the hallmark of everything digital. But you know, most of you have heard me say things like, I believe technology is 55% good and 45% bad. And so you know, I, I think the, the good outshines the bad by a little bit. 
We just have to be aware of both sides. And at the end of the day, I'm an optimist that over time, the quantification of our lives, the quantification of the truth, the quantification of work, right, the quantification of our lives is a little bit better than it is worse. I think there are more good things about it than there are bad. And I just think it's most important to be informed and to be thoughtful about all of this, which is the whole point of these podcasts. All right, we will be moving on to a new series that is all going to be about digital philosophy. And I've got some interesting podcasts in that series that really kind of show the integration of our lives and technology from a philosophical sense. And so I hope uh, I hope you will hang around uh, when that podcast starts. We will start it with the very next podcast. So look forward to seeing you then. So, so believes the digital optimist that technology is a little bit better than it is worse. And I hope you have a good Humology Day. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let's just be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at S. Klesowski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklesowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.